Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name's Sarah Morgan. Hello. Well, um, so normally I start off the podcast by saying something like, oh, you know, this week I've been scaring myself by doing dum-de-dum-de-dum. And um, actually, as it turns out, uh, fucking everything's terrifying. Hooray! We're all, all terrified together. It's all really scary. Everything's really scary. Hello. Um, I, it's quite... It's weirdly comforting, actually, fear at the moment, because it it's really good to just kind of remember that, or, or kind of like try and assume that everyone is coming from a place of fear. Everyone's frightened, um, and they're not Hitlers or twats or monsters. They've just behaved uh, foolishly, uh, recklessly, or, or irrationally due to. Um, due to being scared and, and, and I find that quite comforting because we're all scared and, and you can do stuff about that and um, I mean t- to quote the trolls in Frozen who are my touchstone for so many things in troubled times um, people make bad choices when they're scared or sad or stressed uh, so yeah people make bad choices um, the nice thing is is as I'm not entirely sure when we're going to release this so I could be talking about anything, really. Um, there, there will be in 400 more newses will have happened uh, between taping this and putting this out. Uh, so, you know, I could just I could be talking about the fact that the ants have taken over and 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 I, for one, welcome our, our new ant overlords and Simpsons quotes. Never inappropriate. Always make you feel better. So, yeah, I've been uh, cheering myself up by playing a game which you can you can play at home um it's good fun uh it's a fun game called um if slash when i um am horribly murdered slash die in a terrible or ironic fashion which um facebook profile photo will metro newspaper steal to illustrate the article um loads of really terrible things are happening at the moment and and um the, the metro newspaper has a fun thing about like using people's Facebook profile photos, which are public and people sort of forget they're public. Uh, picture editors don't. They go and sort of um, uh, scavenge them up and, and use them um, to illustrate um, newspaper articles about horrible things. And um, so, you know, I've sort of just been, you know, like most people, I've probably just been thinking loads about how I'm going to die lately. And um, so just get your phone. And start going through your Facebook profile pictures uh, and and working out what terrible death will suit which picture. So, um, you know, it's an easy one. Massive uh, central London terrorist attack. Um, they'll use the picture from my wedding day. I look really happy. It's like the happiest day of my life. It's like smiling my head off. Oh, it'd be so sad, so young. Oh. Um, if I was 
like raped and murdered by an Uber driver uh, uh, and, and cut up into bits and left in a skip. Um, it's the Metro, so they kind of want to sort of imply it might be slightly your fault. So a bit of a sort of sexy picture. Uh, me uh, a couple of birthdays ago at a bowling alley and I'm holding up a couple of bowling balls as tits. I mean, it's classic comedy. Uh, that that would be a, a great Metro picture. If I died, like, while eating a satay stick and I tripped and sort of, like, punctured myself through the throat, which I kind of imagine happening to me quite a lot because I really like satay sticks. They'd use the picture of when I ran the marathon. OK, didn't run the marathon. I did the moonwalk for breast cancer. It was, I walked a marathon, but I walked a fucking marathon. I got a medal and there's a picture of me with the medal and I'm eating a tonics tea cake. And I look really happy. So that would be that picture. Um, and finally, I think if I... Um, my biggest fear, the, th- the way I think I'm probably going to go, is if a, a men's rights activist off Twitter just sort of flips and decides to sort of reenact all the terrible meninist threats he's made to women on the internet and comes around my house and chainsaws me in the vagina. Um, <clears throat> the picture they'll use is me from a few Halloweens ago when I'm dressed as the girl gremlin from Gremlins 2, Greta the Gremlin, um, because that's nearly the same as Lady Ghostbusters. It's close enough. It's close enough. So that's a fun game you can play at home. Um, why not <laughs> tweet us <laughs> here at the podcast and tell us the terrible way you imagined you're going to die and what Facebook profile picture they would use in a bad, bad newspaper and hashtag it, not all gremlins. <laughs> uh, another way you can cheer yourself up is by going for a drink with one of your best friends in the world. And um, speaking of which, my guest this week is Sally Hughes. Um, You might know Sally best as uh, the beauty editor for The Guardian, and she wrote a book called Pretty Honest, a bestseller about um, uh, one of my favourite and I think one of the most important subjects in the world, which is beating my face with makeup. Uh, But So she is absolutely bone-chillingly amazing at beauty stuff. Um, But she is also... A journalist in many other areas, writes for loads of other publications. Uh, she's just started writing a column for Empire magazine called Movie Memoirs. She's a massive film nerd. And she's just one of the most funny and honest writers I know. And I really wanted to get her on the podcast. Um, we are really old friends. Um, we've known each other since, well, let's just say a little time called the Millennium. <laughs> uh, and I was her work experience kid. And we are now godparents to each other's children. We go way back. And um, I really, really, really love this chat because uh, lots of other episodes of this show have been very literally about horror. Uh, You know, we talked a lot about horror films and Freddy Kruegers and Goblins and all those kind of things, which I fucking love. Absolutely my wheelhouse. But um, this chat is kind of, it's a little bit more personal. Um, It's kind of more about... um, uh things that women are frightened of things you might not hear women talk to each other about um uh it's about um uh confidence we talk about and the word brave and what a weird word that is to use to describe people um we also talk about the worst thing in the world which is skiing um and sally's choices are great she's chosen like a scene from like obviously one of the best films ever the godfather we talk about nuclear war the threat of that remember the 80s uh, and um we're all going to learn a new phrase which is called ma- uh, colossal structures um uh which is just brilliant um i i love this chat um please now join two 
women on their second drink, uh, very emphatically putting the world to rights in a pub in central London uh, on a very hot day, hiding in the dark, as we like to do, uh, putting the world to rights. And it's the day after the BAFTAs, and um, I, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, come back after the thing, and I'll tell you who the last guest of Series 1 is going to be. Um, thanks very much. I'm really interested in talking about uh, emotional fears mm. uh, with my guests and I think you are someone and i really interested to see what you said and said you are someone who I think a lot of people think of as being incredibly confident and as you should be it's a, it's such a like fearless I think is like one of those words again that is very popular and you see these people uh, nobody's fearless no. but, uh, and also if you have no fears you're probably on the spectrum of <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. psychopathy yeah. or something um, I, I, I definitely I definitely have loads of fears but a fearless act is a wonderful thing mm. a truly fearless act yeah. is a wonderful thing exactly for instance you know Amy Schumer does a naked photo and the, the comments about oh she's so brave she's uh, so I see famous. I hate that because there's such a qualitative tone to that there's exactly. such a judgy tone the idea is that she should be fearful mm. because she's not a size 6 yeah. so therefore her actually just being herself mm. is a real act of bravery it's not she's just got no clothes on yeah. that's just how she looks Amy Schumer uh, posing naked and looking amazing and uh, in a big photograph Annie Leibovitz yeah. you know with perfect yeah. hair perfect lighting all that kind of stuff oh, she's so brave yeah. isn't yeah. she brave yeah, she shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. She's such a plucky yeah. young thing. She is. Because the weird thing is, it's like it's it's still shot through the prism of uh, it, 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 the sort of patriarchal voice of whether someone would fuck that or not. Yeah, and see Lena Dunham, see yeah. anything like that. It's like Lena Dunham is brave because she's a little bit overweight and mm. showing you her tits, even mm. though you might not want to see her mm. tits. I'm talking from the societal male yeah. gaze here, yeah. not from whether yeah. we want to see it. Right? But like. Aline insists on showing me her breasts even though I don't want to fuck yeah. her the um, fury that people don't, don't fancy her the rage I don't fancy her and yet I can see her vagina and I call it outrageous. Sarah Jessica Parker syndrome <laughs> the rage expressed by men who don't fancy Sarah Jessica yes. Parker really yes. angry yes. that they she don't want to stick her and I, yeah. I don't want to stick my dick in her yeah it's that Tina Fey quote right? you know the definition of crazy in Hollywood is a woman who carries on talking even though no one wants to fuck her yeah. <laughs> yeah. she's yeah. crazy imagine how many opinions yeah. but it's so interesting because then other women buy into that as a kind of uh, uh, you know, oh, isn't it amazing? Men wouldn't fuck that. They would. They would totally fuck. They would totally fuck you. No, they would totally fuck Amy Schumer. Well, Amy Schumer says, doesn't she? You know, I can catch a dick anytime I want, and of course she can. Exactly. Before she was famous, after she was famous, of course she can. She's really funny, clever, beautiful, attractive, yeah. all of those things. But you suddenly slot yourself into the uh, the sort of template of, of fuckable, and then uh, and if you don't fit that, if your if your silhouette doesn't fit that slot, then it's suddenly you're brave and it's like. I didn't know that's being brave. It's just hilarious. So condescending and yeah. head patting, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yes. So oh, bless her. She's she, lucky. She's so imagined. Oh, bravery yeah. on her. Yeah. Because I think, like, the stuff that people think is scary, we were just saying this earlier, weren't we? The stuff that people think is scary, I don't think me or you find scary at all. Like, yeah. Or, or, would, or we wouldn't chase it. Like, we both come from similar backgrounds. Mm. We're both a living Drake song. <laughs> we started from the bottom. Yeah. We, both, we both have kind of weird, hard, scary lives to get yeah. to where we are. And you've done incredibly well and deservedly so. And I just think, like, the, the idea of, like, 
the stuff that scares me, I say horror films are great, but they don't scare us in that way. They, they scare me, but they, you know, I'm not going to say I can't watch Carrie and not jump out my skin. Of yeah. course I'm still going to jump out my skin. They scare me, but in a sort of, in a really abstract, thrilling, entertainment way. They scare me like a roller coaster scares me. Mm. It's a different feeling. The things that really scare me are things that tap into my own mm. kind of deep seated fears and insecurities about things that aren't necessarily kind of horror yeah totally what's the last thing that like really scared you that I suddenly felt scared um I have to be careful here because this is quite bitchy so I'm not going to name any names <laughs> but um yesterday I went to the BAFTAs and I'm honestly I know it sounds dramatic but I saw a celebrity up close and I was genuinely scared of her life, what she'd done to her face, what she'd done to her body, the way she was holding herself, how uncomfortable and how unhappy she looked. She was so dead-eyed. It, it genuinely, I'm not being political here, on a very base level, I felt quite unnerved and frightened by yeah. her and I didn't. I looked at her and I looked more closely, the way you do at a horror film, I suppose. Yeah. But I felt genuinely unnerved and I haven't stopped thinking about her face. That's really interesting. And you said that she was sort of carrying herself, like making herself as small as possible, like tucking one foot in front of the tucking other. Tucking one foot in front of the other. I mean, they all do that. They're under this hideous, hideous pressure, which I'm sure lots of them yeah. absolutely don't want. But she was just sort of pouting around. She had done so much to her face. I mean, she looked like a blow-up doll. And I felt pity, and I understand what contributed to her looking mm. like that. But at the same time, she gave me the fucking willies. <laughs> properly gave me the willies. But that's interesting, because it feels like that's something that obviously affected you personally. And yeah, I was really freaked out. So did it. you look at that and, uh, her and feel that could be me or I understand how you can get there like you must perhaps the only um, you're most scared when you empathise with something right? uh, no on no level did I think that could be me okay. um, it, no it, it's not a life I would ever engage in um, I don't have the, the physical chops to end up like that but also I, I honestly have no desire to end up like that she was having the least fun possible inside <laughs> of the war zone do you know, like it wasn't lols so weird. Um, so no, it then. couldn't be me, but it frightened me that this is the world now. It was like some right, dystopian. It was like some dystopian nightmare yeah. where people were walking around, women were walking around, looking really unhappy um, and looking so like some kind of archetype that bears no resemblance to how we actually live. Yeah, um, and it freaked me out because obviously I work within that industry a lot of the time and. Um, it obviously freaked me out that how can I make sure I'm not contributing to that I have genuinely not stopped thinking about it I've had three conversations with friends about it this morning I was really freaked out oh my god that's yeah. like I wouldn't have wanted to be in the ladies room with her on my own that's how frightening because you think she would be like I don't know like a like a Doctor Who monster who's still a human underneath and totally trying that. to peer through to see the human inside I it? felt it was quite Blade Runner um, quite humans you know that programme yeah. and I, it felt like that it felt very 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 uncomfortable so was the terror then that one day that won't be frightening anymore that's yeah no that's like, exactly that yeah. it's exactly that it's like you know the continuum we're so mm. now far along the continuum that this has become so normalised I'm frightened that, that everybody is going to have to look like a kind of fembot mm. I'm not judgmental about surgery but I am judgmental about a situation where people are so frightened 
of mm. not being able to conform to that ideal because they won't get a job, they won't, yeah. their stock will fall in their chosen profession. That it properly freaks As you said, it's, like, it's being HD ready, isn't it? Yeah. Which is a whole weird. Yeah. You know that your face looks normal on telly and yeah. terrifying not on telly. Yes, That's and there's so weird. much of that. There was a lot of that yesterday at the Baptist. Yeah. So there's another, yeah, we, we were talking about how, uh, you know, there are fears that I think people who have had quite an easy life. Like yeah. to test themselves on all the time, and because we've had genuine like tough shit happen to us in our lives, and had yeah. a, 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 and you know been broke and been scared mm. and not knowing what we were doing, and and, and those kind been of things. Been alone, been alone, and yeah. yeah, all the kind of the big scary things that we would never test ourselves in the way that other people who probably had maybe an easier life do. For example, skiing. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> skiing is just, is just a nonsense. I mean, on, on the one hand, I'm happy that people who like skiing go away to ski where I don't have to see yeah. them, and, that, and that's fine. But the idea of spending, like, three times as much as another holiday, mm-hmm. as a normal yeah. holiday... To go away and be both cold and sunburned. What kind of bullshit holiday are you yeah. freezing and sunburned? Wearing the worst clothes imaginable. It's really like padded clothing. I try so hard not to be judgmental because I know people who go seeing it and really enjoy it and, and uh, other kind of adventure things. Like, I'm not beyond camping to go to a festival mm. because that's, mm. I'll get to enjoy the festival and stuff like that. But the idea of like my holiday, my leisure time being spent putting myself through a holiday spent exercising. <laughs> yeah, fuck <laughs> <laughs> that. In which there's like, is that a really working class thing? Like we're just like, we want to go to where there's sun, fucking egg and chips and booze and a disco and I a want, beach. I, I want like <laughs> books and tapas and booze <laughs> and like that's that's what yeah. that's what I want and I'm okay with other people wanting it mm-hmm. and wanting the skiing thing but nothing nothing could make me go yeah. like nothing and it's weird because I'm like it's scary it is scary there is a fear factor to it but I'm not scared of the bit where you would hurl down the mountain I'm scared of the bit where I have to put on a fucking jumpsuit <laughs> just like, I've got yeah. to put on a jumpsuit yeah. and then do loads of admin yeah. and then get up a mountain and yeah then, like, I'm scared of the dude who, in the mustard cords in the fair I'll jump and having glue vine in the evening I'm scared I'm scared of that dude it's, it's, it's not so much the wee factor because I love roller coasters yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I understand the adrenaline I, mm. I get that people love that but just everything that goes with it and people always say people who love skiing go oh no no you'd love skiing because it's the apres skiing it's like I can get a drink anywhere yeah, I like you know I don't get even cheese wherever I go I love people who find an excuse to get drunk <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like oh I've got this drink it's like Americans they've always got a drinking game like oh beer pong you have to throw a tennis ball at a thing and then the third person with the letter A in their name is like just I'll just order drink. a drink to just, be honest. Just have a drink. I'll just have a beer, thanks. Yeah, as I move on to my second drink on the table. Oh, yeah, yeah chin chin. Chin chin. Um, mm. Yeah, no, skiing is beyond me, but that extends to all types of adventuring. Yeah. Like, I, I hate adventuring. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got no sympathy when people kind of, you know. <sighs> go travel around the world in a tiny yacht and then kind of run out of water. And it's like, well, of course you did. Yeah. Of course you did. Oh, I really miss my kids at Christmas because I was bobbing along in the yacht. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you would do. Because yeah. you, you would do, because yeah. you went around the world in a tiny yacht for to, no reason. I had to eat my dog and I lost three toes yeah. to do something that my great granddad did three decades ago. Well, yeah. you know, And that's... to be fair, that sounds massively shit, which is why I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was never going to be not shit. No, I'll drink an umbrella and that'll 
I, 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 yeah, I don't get it at all. I mean, they're always posh people, of course. That's the unspoken thing. That can, it's always posh people mm. who can adventure well, because it's really expensive to do. Every time I go in, like, I, 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 just, I just suddenly turn to someone from EastEnders when, when skiing comes up because I'm just like, there's something for me that's like out there's like someone, I feel like in Pretty Woman where she doesn't know which fork to use. Like, I'm not getting this because I'm not posh. Mm. Um, but I still think I'm right. <laughs> I still think I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> I completely think I'm right. Like, I'm going to use the fork that gets the lobster open quickest, which is me with a big drink in the room. Yeah, it's the sort of... It, it's, it's kind of privileged people forcing hardship on themselves. Yes. And it's like, well, I suppose, I suppose you could go to Africa and inoculate children if you want, yes. to, if you want life to be hard for yourself, yeah. if you want to see some bad You know, I don't understand this kind of... This posing of trying to make life terribly difficult as, mm. as you know, you're in a capsule bobbing in the Pacific Ocean or that. Why? Much as I can understand how you might need to remove yourself from privilege to understand and appreciate what you have, it's the kind of inf- the self-inflicted hardship because mm. you've never known any in a really unconstructive way. It's a bit S&M, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it a is. It's so vanilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the most vanilla. Like, like, Just go and get beaten in a dungeon. Yeah, it's fine. It's like going to Anne Summers and buying a Fifty Shades starter kit. Like, I want a little bit of light bondage, yeah. but nothing too weird. I mean, Some white like, chocolate body paint. It's bossy bottoms. <laughs> the people who do this shit are bossy bottoms who are telling you every step of the way. I'm just like, lightly whipped. We're on our second vodka, everyone. Hello. I know. Uh, <laughs> so true. Yeah. It's self inflicted masculine. It's a bit sort of, I want to live like common people, isn't it? But it's yeah. like, yeah, but yeah. common people don't spend two grand going to Thailand to, you know, <laughs> yeah, plant some vegetables. Yeah. Um, also, it's not scary. Try and live on benefits for a week. That's scary. Yeah, exactly. It's not scary. Try and phone up fucking Harrogate Council Tax Hotline and get him to yeah. try and take your sofa every Yeah, second. try and get your granddad into a decent care home. That's yeah. scary. I cannot ask you about, because um, uh, I think, think you're someone who gets a lot of, because um, of cause of the many areas you work in, but mm. you, you work in the you write a mm-hmm. lot about beauty and you also write a lot about your personal life and those kind of things. I feel like you. Of a lot of my friends who are writers who are very open about themselves get a lot of online abuse, mm. and I and I'm really interested in how a how you deal with that, and mm-hmm. b do you feel the pressure to come across as not frightened of that stuff? Like I think that you're supposed mm. to be fearless about dealing with trolls, like ignore the trolls, blank the trolls, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's a really hard thing for someone to have. To, it's like an extra pressure on top of the pressure of dealing with these. Who want to get a reaction out of you? The first thing I would say about my job is it's a trick. It's a construct. It's mm. a trick. I'm actually not telling you that much at all. Mm. And, and, and that is that is part of being a first person writer. Mm. So so pretty much hundred percent of the things I write are written in the first person now, mm. which is just what happens when yeah. you're a journalist over a certain age, you start you know, writing it to yourself. It's a it's a really uh, there are very few people who can write I very well and you're one of them. Yeah. Thanks very much. But um, it, it but it's a trick yeah. because you actually know very little about me. Mm. I, I, you know, there are there are sometimes if I feel a political point is important, I will reveal something. So, for example, I've written that I've had an abortion. That's fine. Mm. I don't feel ashamed of it. I don't particularly think it's a particularly kind of private matter for me. I'm happy mm. to write it. But I wouldn't write about the nuances of my relationships. I wouldn't write mm. about the nuances of my kind of parental situation. Mm. There's actually tons and tons yeah. and tons that people don't know about me but because of the style I write in people think they know me very well yeah. 
So they actually don't mm. because the irony of it is, and you know because you've been such a close friend for so mm. many years, I'm an insanely private person. Yeah. I'm an extremely private person and I think people think I'm probably not, but I actually am. Yeah. They don't know very much at all. Sure. So, but yes, the perception is that I'm telling people a lot. And so I think people feel it's fair game to kind of lay mm. into me. Hi, I'm Julia Rayside and I'd like to invite you aboard my podcast. Always There is the only podcast to navigate through every single episode in order of the 1980s seafaring soap opera, Howard's Way. I mean, if we're talking lacquer, we need to go back to Polly, who's got 28 cans of Elnet. It was definitely um, yeah. feeling horrible that you hadn't done your homework. Yeah. Obviously, Lynn is immediately in a bikini. It's, it's a freezing day in, I'm guessing, I was February. I that swing pool looks f***ing freezing. You don't have to love Howard's Way or even remember it. We're going to talk about it anyway, because I think it's brilliant. Jack still feels very much at sea. I can't help reaching for these puns. I'm so yeah, sorry. No, it's important. He, he doesn't really acknowledge how grave... What an ocean of trouble. Thank you. It is. This is why we got you on your there bloody you see. That's all I've got. I'm leaving now. Available from your usual podcast supplier. Find us on Twitter at AlwaysTherePod. Somebody's nicked my bloody boat. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Rule of Three, a podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films, and TV, and books, and records, and comics, and people that make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Han Solo did for a job. <laughs> you don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing while <laughs> being punched in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own jokes in the morning, you lazy bastards. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier. So does that make it easier when dealing with sort of online stuff? or, um, or I, I really hate it, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, there's, there's a real thing where people will tell you when people are being absolutely vile to you. There's a thing where people say, don't feed the trolls, yeah. just block and move on. Yeah. And... I mean, blocking and moving on is good advice. Mm. I'm, you know, that's mainly what mm. I do. It's only occasionally I engage if something's really wound me up um, once in a blue moon. But what people don't realise is there is only so much aggression you can absorb 
as a person. Even if you're fine, yeah. even if you feel good about your choices in your life, there's only so much shit you can absorb from someone before your adrenaline goes and you feel a bit shaky. Yeah. Um, so, well, if someone says, I know where you live and I know people oh, that live that yeah. aren't online and all that kind of stuff, mm. that's fucking, that is going to shit anyone up and I don't care how, how cool and confident and fearless you are, that mm. is going to shit you right up. And also, sometimes, sometimes the fear is not based on things that you think are going to happen. It's the fear you get when you're about to have to hit someone. It's, it, yes. it's like the fear you get when you're going, you, you just think, shit, I'm going to have to have a fight. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of fear where you just get quite shaky because you're so furious um, mm-hmm. and you're absorbing all the shit from people. Um, I mainly do, I mainly do try to ignore... Um, Davina McCall gave me the most brilliant, brilliant advice. Mm. I promise I'm not name-dropping it. It's just the most <laughs> brilliant. It's the most brilliant advice. She said that she no longer engages with trolls because it got to the point where she didn't have time to reply to all the lovely people saying, oh, I love that show. You were really good oh, in that. Nice. Yeah. She didn't have time to reply to yeah. them. And trolls jumped the queue by being mean to her. Yeah. And she thought, hang on a minute, these terrible people are jumping the queue and I'm engaging with them yeah. because I'm so cross and ignoring all the nice people. And that's not just, that's not fair. So, and I, so I try to adopt that policy and just blank the people who are being horrible. And every time somebody's horrible to me now on Twitter, I try to reply to five nice tweets or whatever to, really to balance idea. it out. On the whole, um, I get stopped in the street quite a lot by women who read my column or have read my book. It just happened to me on the way here, and they are always bloody lovely, oh. and they are always the kind of people you'd be mates with. They're like yeah. normal people. Yeah. Um, and and it's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. I, I've never really, I've never really met somebody who's like fully free. Yeah, because I think IRL and the the, the that kind of person is just never going to come up to you, are they? They're, they're, but they yeah. Post- the only thing I've had, I went, I went to one kind of. Um, I was sitting in a pub and I was just dicking about on my phone, waiting for somebody. I might have been waiting for you even, but I was waiting for somebody. <laughs> and I, I was just dicking a bit early, dicking about on my phone, and um, I looked on Twitter and somebody had tweeted. I can see at Sam <gasps> face. No! <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah, and you get this on trains and shit. People like yeah, that, that would scary. freak the shit yeah, out of it's me. shit. So, so I looked up and I'm looking around the pub thinking who, who yeah. has just tweeted that, trying to identify the avatar with the person. And then there was another time I was on the train <laughs> and um, I was eating some spiced lentil curls from Marks and Spencer's. <laughs> and somebody tweeted... Um, somebody tweeted, enjoying your lentil curls at Sally Hughes. Oh, no. And I looked up and there was just this man oh. staring, glaring at me. The, the horrible thing about that is... It was about 11 o'clock at night. Oh, my God. The horrible thing about that is the only way you can not mental yourself with that kind of thing is to try and empathise with them. Which is, that bloke probably thinks he's being funny. He probably thinks he's... He yes. doesn't even think you're a person. He probably just thinks he's like being matey and jolly not realising that you're a woman you're by yourself and fuck off and that's horrible men don't realise but people don't have to empathise all the time and like yeah. why should you have to empathise with that but you have to because the only way you keep yourself safe men don't realise that that all women even the strongest most confident mm. Um, brave, not so hate that. Brave. But, you know, so brave. The tall so women, brave. <laughs> the tall women in the back of their minds are always thinking when they're walking home at night or whatever. Always thinking, is this my day? Is this it's my, my rape day? We are always ready. For is a fight. this my rape day? Yeah. 
You can walk in heels, I can't. Yeah. And so I don't wear heels when I go out and I'm going to walk yeah. around myself. But I've always got keys between your knuckles. Yeah, always so keys between your knuckles. Shoulder. If you're wearing headphones, you've got one in, exactly. not two. Um, that's, yeah, it's, it, and, and to, it, you're sort of born with it. You're, you're, you're absolutely born with Until it. And you, I don't think men appreciate it. And lovely for them that they don't appreciate it. Yeah. But things like that really can ramp up the fear factor in those situations. Like, I am watching you eat a snack. Um, you just think, oh, is today my day? Yeah. Is today the day yeah. it's going to happen? Yeah. And I mean, fucking hell, but even John Lennon didn't have that when, uh, <laughs> what's he called? Who shot him? Oh my God, three names. Mark. Um, <laughs> Mark Chapman. Mark Chapman. <laughs> Mark Chapman, uh, yeah. I bet he would, yeah, if, he, if he'd been a woman, he probably would have been, well, there's some weird bloke hanging around outside the house, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's a horrible so state of affairs and I'm likely to be more anxious about things depending on how I'm feeling in my mm. real life. So after I had a baby, which is um, my first baby, which is the one time I think lots of women feel really out of, mm. uh, feel really uncharacteristically frightened of things. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, it's um, like you've had your whole fucking skin removed. Yeah. And you're carrying around all yeah. of your organs that you're suddenly meant to protect. Yeah. yeah, and I became incredibly anxious about my personal safety. And it's partly why I left London. I was incredibly... Um, paranoid and anxious mm. about my personal safety whenever I left the house. So, depending on how I'm feeling in in real life, mm. that manifests itself in fear, maybe irrational fear in other mm. situations. Yeah, God, it's so it's so bizarre because you don't. The, that's the terrifying thing about it. You don't even question that. You don't even think. Is it normal to feel like on edge, like when you're yeah. walking, like walking, you know, walking ten minutes from the bus stop to yeah. your house, and I say you've got. You've got your keys between your fingers, you've got one yeah. over your shoulder, you're looking everywhere at all times. Sure. You've put your handbag in a Sainsbury's carrier bag. Yeah. yeah. And then actually, oh God, the other day, the friend of mine, he was, she was saying, oh, I've got to walk, it's like a 10 minute walk between you know, the tube and my house. So what I do is I put my phone in my bra and my keys in uh-huh. my sock and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Because if you get mugged, give them your fucking stuff and run. Yeah. Like, don't, don't get dragged on. Yeah. Why are you? They know you've got a phone because everyone's yeah. got a phone. But this is this is a mental. in the street. This is a mental in a monologue to have because <laughs> it's like, I quite often think, okay, well, whatever you do, don't allow yourself to be taken to another place because the police always say that the moment you're removed from a location and taken to another place, you're fucked. So you need to do everything within your power to not be moved to another place. The fact that I have these conversations in my head is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's it and, and, and also the yeah and then you say oh but you know did you see uh, oh Game of Thrones that was a bit scary last yeah. week yeah. I was like that was a fun yeah. yeah walk through Clapton yeah, yeah. Try, try being a woman who likes wearing dresses and having yeah. a life and a drink and friends yeah. and going out every now and again yeah and, and uh, yeah welcome to the inside of our head at all times yeah, exactly we watch Game of Thrones for escapism exactly those are the things <laughs> I find scary I don't really find kind of gruesome fantastical things scary I find real things scary yeah completely well should we talk about your three things then uh, okay that would be awesome let's talk about your three things um, I asked you to think about your favourite moment from uh, from TV or film that scared you and you said um, I said um, the scene in the hospital in The Godfather part one I love it um, describe the scene. So um, I'm I'm a huge, huge fan of The Godfather mm. as a film. It's um, definitely one of my all-time favourite films and one of my all-time favourite novels. Um, there is a scene in both the novel and the film that gives me terrors where Vito Corleone, a.k.a. Marlon Brando's character, Rob De Niro in Godfather 2, um, 
is in a hospital bed having been shot as he was buying some fruit and veg some um, oranges some <laughs> um, so he's been shot and uh, I think they're plums actually the orange is in the mouth when he dies but anyway um, so he is in hospital having been shot and Michael played by Al Pacino goes um, to the hospital to visit him and realises that no one is guarding his father mm, the hospital's empty yeah. and it's this completely empty hospital um, and it's bleak and I should say what, what I should say about this is that um, anybody who knows me knows that my biggest fear is hospitals I'm really frightened of hospitals. no I love this I love, I love that you've chosen a clip that, that completely accurate reflects something that I know you are um, genuinely frightened of in real life as a scene that is like a clusterfuck of Sally nightmare yeah so it's hospitals which completely terrify mm. me, terrify me to the point where I'm obsessed with home surgery. If I can fix something with a pin and a scalpel, mm. I do it. I had both of my kids at yeah, home. Yeah, you are the <laughs> biggest freak I know for watching like pimple bursting videos and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm obsessed with home surgery. Have both my children at home. Yeah. Hate, hate, hate hospitals. Even though, um, well, probably because we know we most of us end up there at mm. some point. Um, it's the worst phobia to have because it's basically unavoidable. Yes. Um, it's not an irrational fear it's something that's probably going to come into your life so that's quite a horrible thing um, so I'm terrified of hospitals also I am terrified of um, the unknown so when I'm scared of something the way I always deal with something I'm frightened of is I read loads mm. so if I'm pregnant I will be the master of yes. everything that happens mm-hmm. in pregnancy and childbirth and that stops me being scared if I'm ill I will research it into the ground I'm just somebody who always knows what I'm dealing with yeah. and that makes me feel better in the scene in The Godfather there are so many corridors and the lighting is really poor and you don't know what you're dealing with. Michael is running around and you don't know who's around the corner. Mm. You don't know who's in his dad's room. You don't know if anybody's coming. It's a bit like, you know, that last ever scene in The Sopranos. Sorry oh, for spoilers, yeah. but you've had enough time. Yeah, um, <laughs> where you don't know where danger's coming from. Yeah as Tony is sitting in the diner with his family. It's that, I need to know what I'm dealing with. I'm less scared if I can see a threat on the horizon. Yeah. But it's, no, like, it's the unknown that makes me mental. Plus, I am quite... I'm both claustrophobic and agoraphobic. Mm. I need exactly the right amount of space to feel comfortable. Yeah. And that scene is really, really sort of cloying and tight, but also too many open corridors. Yeah, it's wonderful. I, 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 I think it's a wonderful scene, and I love that it's just a scene of pure bone chilling tension. It's so Horrible. sweaty and awful, and, and spoilers. Uh, nothing actually happens in it. It's and you just, see one nurse pushing a trolley. It's very starchy. Yeah. She's sort of this is a brilliant dreamlike. Yes, it's very she's dreamlike. so professional yeah. to the point where you want to shake her and go, yeah. "Why aren't you freaking?" You feel yeah. Michael wanting to go, "Why yeah. aren't you freaking out? Why yeah. are you freaking out? Why are you freaking out?" And she's yeah. just very starchy and twenties. Yeah. Okay. Well, that ties into my other thing. So yeah. my recurring nightmare. I have various recurring nightmares, but my most common one is that um, somebody does something awful to me and I'm saying, why don't you understand how bad this is? And they're just going, what? It's fine. Oh, it's fine. It's and not listening to me. And that taps into that scene as well. Yeah. So there are about 20 things in that scene that push very specific buttons in me and it is just like the mother load of huge fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate that scene. It's an amazing scene. It's amazing. I, mean, I, I hate it. I know how often you watch The Godfather. Yeah. The Godfather, yeah. 
can you do you fast forward through it do you watch it no I watch it I, I watch it I you make myself watch it. it like I make myself watch Russian roulette scene in The Deer Hunter I mm-hmm. hate it but I would make myself watch it because I have too much respect for the film I wouldn't be able yeah. to I'm too much of a nerd to skip yeah. past a key scene yeah. but I hate it and that's what's going to happen so that's got to help yeah, yeah. But I still, I still feel a great deal of anxiety yeah. doing that scene. Yeah. I feel slightly anxious talking about it. So your second choice, I asked to tell me about something that scared you as a kid, and I'm so with you on this. So, we have such a high mind. So what was the what? Did you so say second I, I was born in 1975, <laughs> and this is highly significant because um, my entire, I'm not exaggerating, mm-hmm. my entire childhood was spent terrified, utterly terrified of nuclear war and the IRA whoa those two things, if you are my age which is 41 everybody was completely we were were going to be blown up and and that was made clear to us that at any moment we could be blown up so I was born in 1980 but Mm -hmm. I grew up with exactly the same nuclear cold war it wasn't even paranoia, it was basically it was on the cards. Mm-hmm. We were all gonna, like, yeah, we grew up public It was on the cards, absolutely. It was absolutely yeah. on the cards. Yeah. As far yeah, as yeah, we were yeah. all concerned, we were all gonna blow up. Yeah. Um, AIDS was around the corner, and everything was just, yeah, every, uh, yeah, the public information films, people made, like, like, like Raymond Briggs cartoon, When the Wind Blows. It was literally the, the most depressing thing I've ever seen. I saw it in cinema. Yeah. It looks as if it's gonna be a war, dear. Yes, they say it might break out at any time now. Well, at least you won't be called up, James. You're far too old. <laughs> oh, thank you, my beloved. I'm still two years younger than you. Well, if the worst comes to the worst, we'll just have to roll up our sleeves, tighten our belts, and put on our tin hats till it's VE day again. It won't be like that this time, love. I think the song is called the Big Bang Theory. It's all worked out by brilliant scientists. Well, we survived the last one. We can do it again. It'll take more than a few bombs to get me down. You saw it in the cinema. I saw it in the cinema. Oh my god. So that's a really, yeah, When the Wind Blows is an amazing cartoon bike. The Makeup of Fungus the Bogeyman is probably a lot of us watched it. Lulled into. Oh, oh. David Bowie theme to you. Oh. Raymond Briggs, it'll be lovely. Yeah. And it's, it's, about, it's about a couple who think that nuclear war is going to be like World War II, like a bit jolly. Yeah. Anderson Charlotte's painting your legs with gravy browning, yeah. you know, sucking off a GF chewing gum. And get then, some supplies in. Yeah, get some supplies it's in. Like build, spirit. build a shelter out of some doors mm. and you'll be, you know, yeah. it'll be over by Christmas. Yeah. And they... And we'll see them waste away. <laughs> Radiation <laughs> poisoning. Dies only. We watch them waste away. And she get they both get radiation poisoning, but 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 hers is hers is more severe and we just watch her slowly die in front of the husband who has been married to her for like sixty years. Uh, yeah. It's a cartoon. Yeah, it's Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless us. Everyone. Small children in the eighties. It's this the most is fucking depressing thing ever. Uh, there was yeah. so much programming. When, when the wind blows, it's just one. There was so oh, yeah. much programming at that time geared towards um, letting you know that we were all going to die in a nuclear war and how horrible it would be. Um, there were leaflets through the door. There were public... Um, there were public information films on TV all the time. Um, Everything was geared towards our impending demise. And I remember I asked my mother, um, we were watching this really depressing American programme called The Morning After, which was about the aftermath of nuclear war. And I said to her, what will, what will you do? First of all, my parents always let me watch really inappropriate films. <laughs> like always, always, always. Saw The Last Tango in Paris when I was like seven. 
So I said, I said to my mother, um, "What what would you do in the event of a four minute warning?" Expecting her to say, "Oh, that won't happen." And she said, I would put us all in the car and I would drive us as near to the, near to the nearest major city as I possibly could because that would be the bit that would, bond, would be bombed and I would rather we all died instantly than slowly of radiation poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> I was about eight. Go Sally's mum! I'm seven or eight. Yeah. Get a hose pipe. <laughs> Get your own car. My, my parents are academics, so they, yeah, they, yeah, they would just... Tell us stuff that yeah. I really didn't want to hear. They would just tell us very matter-of-fact stuff that was really yeah. wounding and scarring. A warning may come quite unexpectedly. We will now tell you what to do if a warning sounds when you are at home. If the fallout warning sounds are heard, they will be like these. You should now move yourself and your family to the safest area in your fallout room. And alongside all of this, when we're all about to be blown up, on ground level you had the IRA mm. who um, were blowing up kind of pubs and shops. And there was one time where, um, during the summer holidays, when me and my two brothers were alone, as kids were in the 80s, nobody gave a fuck about you in the 80s. <laughs> so we'd be in the house on our own. And there was one day I spent the entire day in my bedroom because my brothers <laughs> told me a member of the IRA was in the living room. <laughs> and I sat terrified in my bedroom. I would have been about six oh. um, because I thought there was a member of the IRA in my living room. Oh, right. I fully believed them. And it wasn't until my dad came home from work at half five and told me that he wasn't there. Holy shit, what did he look like in your Um I had him rather improbably in like camo camo kind of squatty wear which seems improbable in, improbable in that he'd probably be in like denim flares and a, a, yeah. and a, and a tank top I just remember because it was like yeah I, I come on that tiny bit younger than you I remember bombs going off and I remember Thatcher being blown from the hotel very vaguely but I yeah. do remember taking a day trip to London when I was about nine or ten and not finding anywhere to put my wrapper in a bin. Yeah. Like just outside Bandon Two Swords. I'm like, there's no bins outside Bandon Two Swords. There's someone really irresponsible explaining to me that there's no bins in central London because yeah. of the IRA. Like, yeah. yeah, it was just, you got it from all angles. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not exaggerating when I say that the first 10 years of my life were spent thinking I was about to die. So your third choice, I asked you to tell me about fear that you live with now, and you said... Okay, so um, the biggest um, abstract, irrational fear I have, and there is a technical name for this, colossal sculptures. Colossal sculptures? They're called colossal sculptures. Okay. Okay, so to be specific, I'm talking about Mount Rushmore, Christ the Redeemer, um, the Lincoln um, statue outside the Lincoln Memorial of him sitting in the chair, and most, most extremely, the Statue of Liberty, which I hate. We'd like to dedicate this next number to a very special woman. She's a hundred years old, and she weighs over two hundred tons. 
This enormous woman will devour us all! Ah! I meant the statue. I'm really frightened of the Statue of Liberty. I don't like it at all, and I go to New York reasonably often. It's a city I love, and when I'm landing, I am the only one who has their window thing down. I don't want to see the Statue of Liberty. Wow. I do, do you not know, want to see it. Do you know where this bit came from? Do you know, I don't. Um... I, I don't, and it's crept up on me, and it's become mm. worse over the years. Um, I have been to Ellis Island, for example, mm. as a child, and I can remember not being scared. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something I would entertain for even a moment now. I couldn't go. I, I couldn't go. It would frighten me so much. Mm. And um, I, I'm okay with colossal structures, so... I feel a little bit uncomfortable standing next to a massive ship, for example. Right. But it's not extreme. But I could not stand next to the Statue of Liberty. Okay. It would make me really frightened. There's something about the sort of dead-eyed, massive mm. face mm. that I, I really hate. I don't, I don't like the eyes on those sculptures. Mm. Um, I don't like the sort of passive expression they always seem to have. Mm. Um, and it's weird because the Statue of Liberty is a really important icon in lots of my favourite films. Yeah. It's been used so beautifully yeah. in so many films. Um, but I really hate it. And, Did um, Ghostbusters 2 scare you? It, um, <clears throat> no, because this is a fear that's really crept up on me in later right. life and I think it would frighten me now. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because Joel Morris, who I know that you've yeah, done yeah. this podcast with, yeah. I, I don't know how I got onto it, but Joel Morris sent me, thanks Joel, <laughs> some pictures of um, when the Statue of Liberty was first sent over from France, it was sent over in bits because it was so huge. Okay. And at the docks, they, at the harbour, they constructed it, they, mm. they sort of put it together. And there are photos from the 1800s of the bits of the Statue of Liberty mm. of people standing next to just the face. Okay, yeah. And they are absolutely terrifying. Joel sent them to me. No. And it was fascinating because yeah. I made myself look. But they're so frightening. Yeah. I just... It's it's the scale. They're so out of scale. And it's that kind of neoclassical style that really frightens me. I don't like it at all. No, it's not yet. And you've gone really tense. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I get it. It's so funny because the scale thing, I totally get. Scale is a big thing for me. Things being out of scale or in scale. Like, things being out of scale is brilliant sometimes. Wearing a tiny Monopoly hat. Yeah. The funniest thing ever. Yeah. Amazing. A two small hat under another hat. A two small hat is never not A big hat over Homer's head with his tummy with a face painted on it. The best. Yeah. Man (laughs) man who's lost weight in a newspaper holding his trousers (laughs) back. (laughs) Barry Bethel. I I love love scale in that way. But the colossal Mm. nature. So for example the Lincoln Memorial if that statue was just kind of statue size like something you might see on Haymarket I wouldn't even look twice at it I wouldn't mm. think but it's it's the scale of that massive chair with Lincoln sitting have in it you, I hate it have you tried to psychologically unpack why do you know I can't and maybe I'm, I'm just a bit stupid but I can't work out what how it happened it's it's definitely to do with I'm funny about dead eyes I'm, I'm, mm. a, big, I'm a big one for eyes eyes mm. quite often frighten me if I feel they don't have enough going on behind them oh god yeah 
And this, or like that woman the other day at Bath yeah, with exactly. just eyes and nothing else moving. Yeah, the woman at Bath trapped behind her. And there's that, and, and another big eye thing for me. I'm unpacking it as we're speaking. And the, sure. a, another big eye thing for me is um, in the Deer Hunter, Christopher Walken's mm-hmm. eyes when he's playing Russian roulette. There is so nothing behind them that it terrifies oh, yeah. me because you know he's fucked. You know he's going to have to die because there is nothing left behind his eyes. He's so broken. Dead eyes are a big thing for me. They really, really frighten me. And there was one time years ago. God, I'm literally working this out. As I love it. So um, there, years ago, um, my ex-boyfriend Jake and I were in a cafe in Battersea, and we were sitting next to um, a couple who um, very clearly had um, a heroin problem, and, and they were really, really, really strung out. And there was a, the woman in the couple. I I looked at her and I was terrified and I said, I have to go. Now, I've been around junkies a lot. It's not drugs I'm scared of. But her eyes were so dead that I couldn't be near her eyes. So I think maybe dead eyes is the thing. Do you think that's what the real thing is? It's not the statue. I wonder. But also combined with the scale of it, I find them inescapable. I've literally, I've now just unpacked that. I think it it is to do with eyes. But also scale like Christ the Redeemer, like... uh, just this huge figure. Yeah. And I know you're not religious, so I know that wouldn't be a I'm not religious. religious but, I, but I love religious iconography. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Like, lo- love, love, you know, a, a tacky, you know... Madonna. A yeah. plastic Madonna. With, yeah. With, with, with uh, fairy lights all around it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love all that. And that was my chat with Sally Hughes. Hooray! She's great. And we're all going to be fine. We're all going to live forever, lads. Hooray! <laughs> um... So yes, uh, do read Sally's uh, new column in uh, in the revamped Empire magazine. Uh, it's called Movie Memoirs. Memoirs? Memoir. Memoir. Memoirs. Memoirs. Uh, yeah. And um, <laughs> so there's one more episode to go in this series or season if you're an American. Um, but we are British, so series. Um, one more episode to go in series one. Um, the eighth interview I taped, uh, which was with drumroll uh, Phil Jupiter and Jason Manford. Um, uh, I met up with them when Jason was uh, staying at Phil's house while they were on tour with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They are adorable housemates. Um, and we had a great chat about like stage fright and stand up and the ring and otters uh, and we ate brunch. It was great. So um, we'll uh, be putting that out pretty soon. And then um, I will be taking a break for the summer to record lots more episodes. And we'll be back for series two uh, around about Halloween because I am nothing if not a basic bitch on many levels. Um, so, yeah. Um, keep an eye on your podcast holes for um, the uh, episode eight, which will be coming soon. And um, you can rate and review the show on iTunes and you can find us on the Twitter application. Uh, We're at the fear podcast. Um, Love to hear what you think of the show. And also uh, if you have suggestions for guests for series two, who I can tape interviews with. Um, but for now, thank you so much for listening. The Fear was produced by Gav Murphy. The theme tune was by Tim Bazell. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks. Have a lovely life. Bye. GreatBigOwl.com Game of Thrones The Walking Dead 
Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. That's right, BBC One's flagship early evening fluff cast doesn't get the in-depth chewing over it deserves. Until now, welcome then to The The One Show Show, where we treat the Matt Baker Alex Jones vehicle with the level of sophisticated examination one would ordinarily reserve for the likes of The Wire. It's very sad that it's come to this, isn't it, Sandy? Fuck the casual viewer, The Wire's creator David Simon once said. I'd get angry, but I wouldn't say anything. I'd keep it inside, which is bad for you, apparently. Committed viewing requires commitment, and that is what we're bringing to that programme where every now and again, Giles Brandreth will visit a factory to see how paint is made. He always delivers, doesn't he? Well, I mean... A barn owl and a marsh harrier. On each The The One Show show, I'll be joined by a guest destroyer of worlds. What did you learn from this week's The One Show? The presenter, Angelica Bell, can't swim. <laughs> it's disarray. The baby's on the floor. Alex Jones sniffed a bandage to see if she could smell Parkinson's disease on it. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> no, no. And with that, good night. Down in the When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.